This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 250, and we're recording on September 22nd. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. 250. That's bananas. It's a quarter of a millennia. Right? Wait, how does math work? <laughs> that's right. I don't know if that's right. Because 500 would be half of a thousand. A century. Wait, no, 500, half a millennia. You're right. I can't math either. Yeah, a thousand so... is a millennia, right? I think. My children just asked me this last week, so I was because then they were like, "Well, then what's an age? What's an epoch?" And I was like, "Where do you even know that word? I don't know. Google it." (laughs) Um, Yeah, right. Let me Google that for you, children. I just want to give a quick note at the top of the show that my neighbor is having her backyard excavated, and for various scheduling reasons, we could not move the timing of this call. Mm. So I'm going to be doing my best to. I'm literally underneath a blanket. My my (laughs) microphone, my laptop, and I are under a blanket in the recording closet. I've built an extra pillow fort of layers. I mean, we'll see what happens. Mm. But if there are squeaky noises in the background, it's because they have a mini digger with the squeakiest wheels in history. It's like they picked the worst shopping cart at Kroger to attach to the back of their little machine. The one with the wheel, you know, when you get the bad shopping cart that goes, that's what they've done. A hundred percent. That's what happened. So it's our, it's a fancy episode and we're not going to answer questions this week. Not because everything is terrible. That's just a happy coincidence, I think. So <laughs> we're, t- we're going to be chatty today. Since it's episode 250, it feels like a, you know, kind of special occasion. So we pulled some posts from earlier in the year about our most recommended books of all time and the most recommended books of our very first year, which was 2016. And we're going to like do a bit of a retrospective and go back and look at these lists and see if we still feel the same way about these books, which is interesting because we have rules about how often we can recommend titles on the show. We only get three times per year per title. So some of them, when I was looking at this, these uh, posts this morning, I was like, man, I forgot that book existed, which is bananas because I was so in love <laughs> with it three years ago. So that's what we're going to do. Before we do that, we will talk about how the show works on days that aren't today. Um, so usually you can send us your reading recommendation requests. We are a show for personalized reading recommendations, again, on days that are not today. So you can send us your reading recommendation requests for yourself or your book club or, you know, you want to give someone a gift or whatever. You can email those to getbookedatbookriot.com or you can drop them in the form in the show notes on the site. The form is at the bottom of the show notes. If your question is time sensitive, please put it in the subject line of the email. If you're using the form, just put it in big letters, you know, at the, at the beginning of your um, entry so that we will get to it on time. We might email you back if we're not going to. That's why we ask for your email address. Um, I think that's it. So before we start talking about our most recommended books of the last, what year is it? 2020, four years, we will hear from our first sponsor. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Disney Books. Do y'all like Caribbean mythology? 
what's more a thriller inspired by Caribbean mythology? If you do, I got something for you. A must-read thriller that draws from the darkest corners of Caribbean mythology from acclaimed author Sarah Das, who crafts a chilling tale of magic, murder, and how far we'll go to protect what's ours. It's perfect for fans of Angeline Bully and Tiffany D. Jackson. So, unlike other people on the small island of St. Virgil, Selena Da Silva does not believe in magic. She has a logical mind. She likes botany. She wants to study pharmacology. But then her mother gets sick and she's tethered to the island and she has to make money. So what does she do? She cons a couple gullible tourists with these useless talismans and phony protection rituals. But then one of the tourists ends up dead and at the center of a strange string of murders. And the truth Selena has been denying can no longer be avoided. There is evil lurking in the forest that surround St. Virgil. Now to find out what that evil is, make sure to pick up It Waits in the Forest by Sarah Das. And thanks again to Disney Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds. College student Blake and her girlfriend have one goal, join the exclusive sorority that promises connections to a network of trailblazing women of color. Now, Ella's acceptance is a sure thing. She's a daughter of a Serena Society alum. After all, Blake, on the other hand, lacks Ella's pedigree and her confidence. Luckily, though really unluckily, she finds courage at the bottom of a liquor bottle. When she drinks, she's bold and funny, and as pledging intensifies, so does Blake's drinking. Ella assures her that she's fine, partying hard is what it takes, but with her future on the line, Blake must decide how far she's willing to go to achieve glittering dreams of success. Now, just so you know, Jazz Hammonds is the 2023 winner of the critic Scott King John Steptoe Award for New Talent for We Deserve Monuments, and We Deserve Monuments was an Amazon Best Books of the Year and Barnes & Noble Best Books of the Year for 2023, so suffice to say, y'all should check this new one out. Thanks again to Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds for sponsoring this episode. Okay, do you want to do the first year or do you want to do like the all time stuff first? Well, I thought before we even did that, we could take a brief moment to acknowledge that this show started in 2015. Oh, 2015. Yes. Yeah. And but I didn't come on until 2016. So because I was looking at the back archives and I was like, oh, right, Amanda, you did basically half a year yeah. with various guests in 2015. So you've been doing the show for like for five, five years. Now. Yeah, we reimagined the format because at first it was like, we'll do genre specific shows and I'll bring on experts in the genres to talk about the recommendations. But then after six months of that, I was like, oh, right, we're out of genres. Like, <laughs> like there are not infinite genres. So this is not going to work anymore. Also, as you know, from doing recommended wrangling guests every week is the most annoying possible thing to do <laughs> in, in your professional life. So I decided against it. I decided against it. And I was like, you know what, let's just get Jen on this with me. And we can we can just like scratch our old bookseller itches together. I was literally like, hanging around like if we had an office I would have been like lurking in the background <laughs> of Amanda's desk area just like waiting to be asked to come on the show <laughs> there was no other option like there was no one else who would have been picked you know hearts hearts to you yeah it was super exciting when she was like do you want to just do this regularly um and I was like I've been waiting my whole <laughs> life for you to ask um Aww. yay so that was exciting to realize that the show has been going on for that long. I mean, four years is plenty, but five years is even more impressive, I think. Yeah. 
And I don't think I was trying to remember what year we instituted the no more repeats. And I feel like it might have been after 2016. Yeah, it was the year of Sorcerer to the Crown that we were like, we have to stop talking about this book. We have to stop. (laughs) Yeah, we did start to get a few emails or reviews that were like, okay, but they're always recommending Queen of the Night by Alexander Chi and Sorcerer to the Crown by Mm -hmm. Zen Show, which for the record, I stand by. (laughs) Yeah, because you are asking the same questions over and over when the obvious answer is Queen of the Night. Like, pay attention. (laughs) It's just so true. If you look at our, like, first year of the most recommended. Year one. Year one. It is. It's. I mean, number one is Sorcerer's Sorcerer Crown. Did we write down how many times we wrote? Oh, we did not write down how many, but it was many. It was many times. Oh, and right. Like, this was the thing that we were recommending because everybody was obsessed with the Night Circus in 2015. Yes, I was yeah. just thinking about it because, like, why? Why would we do that? I mean, there's so many reasons why we would do that. Yeah. But it's the Night Circus is a super hard book to comp. And like in terms of vibe, if not in specifics, Sorcerer to the Crown, I do think is one of the closest books you can get. Yeah, I, it's not perfect. There are no, well, you know, there are no perfect comps. Like if you want the exact replication of a reading experience, just go reread that thing that you just read. Like, you know. Right. It's true. The Night Circus, I think, is a special case because it's so sensual, not like sexy, although I guess it is, but sensual as in like it's so based on the senses that you're supposed to be experiencing, like the way things taste and the way the circus smells and like it's so about the atmosphere of the thing. And not a lot of books successfully make the atmosphere the character, you know, like you're in that book for the the romance and the competition of the magicians or whatever, but really you're there for the circus. And like, how often is that true? Very rarely, I think. It's so true. Yeah. I So I pulled up our tracking spreadsheet mm-hmm. and we recommended it five times. Oh, okay. That feels like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that and Tiny Beautiful Things were our most top, top, most recommended. So if our show was once a week, which it, it's not anymore, it's twice a week, but it was once a week back then. So if we recommended it five times and there's 52, it was on like 10% of our shows. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Sorry, guys. Whatever, I stand by it. That was the point of this episode was do we still stand by it? And yes, I still stand by it. Yeah, I have to say the same thing for Tiny Beautiful Things as well. Mm -hmm. Although I do need to reread it to make sure it's holding up in various ways. Yeah. But at least as far as my memory of that book goes, and I have reread specific essays multiple times, Mm -hmm. it is just, I mean... When people were writing in, like, I'm going through a thing and I need something to make me feel better. This is the book that I'm always tempted to recommend. And we've since, you know, tried to broaden it out because we can only recommend it so many times until y'all are tired of hearing about it. But it's just the perfect I'm going through a thing book. Yeah. And, you know, I've actually been thinking about rereading it right now because I think that Tiny Beautiful Things and Cheryl Strayed's brain in general might be even more necessary now than it was in 2015 and 2016, even though those were also hard years, especially the end of 2016 was obviously like a gut punch for basically all of us. But now the thing that is so great about Tiny Beautiful Things is she takes these very complicated adult situations that people often feel a lot of shame about, you know, divorce, whatever. And she is so gracious. And she, in her grace to the reader, gives you permission to give yourself grace in that moment, which is something that Mm. especially people, I think millennials, really, really struggle with not being super, super hard on themselves about everything. And right now, when everything is literally and figuratively on fire and the country 
this is something like that I personally have been kind of dealing with in my soul. I'm getting real deep here. We're like 10 minutes in and I'm talking about my soul. I'm sorry. <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. Um, it's like I have no grace, none for the past probably two years for people who I think for people who are on the other end of the political spectrum for me, none. And I'm starting to feel a little bad about that. Like, not that I need to make excuses for them or whatever. And obviously, they've caused a lot of irreparable harm. They're still people. And like the way that I talk about them and to them sometimes, I just don't, I'm not feeling good about, I don't know. Like, this is a thing. And so my brain was like, well, go reread Tiny Beautiful Things and try to take that kind of tone, like, or see if you can or if you can work through it. And maybe it's not, you know, the right choice for me or whatever, or not the right way to think about it. But it's something that I've been thinking about. So I'm going to reread Tiny Beautiful Things. We'll see. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think grace is the operative word and it's it can be so hard to summon that mm-hmm. and I just don't think it's possible sometimes in certain situations. Agreed. I mean, because we're human beings and yeah. when you know, if you get stomped on repeatedly by someone, no matter how clueless or misguided they are, they're still caught like you said, irreparable harm yeah. is caused. Yeah. But in those moments where it's an option, it would be nice to feel like I have that muscle to exercise. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's not going to be all of them, right? <laughs> no, 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 it's just not. But especially people, you know, you see, I've seen a lot of think pieces come out recently about people who voted for Trump in 2016 and are not going to do so this time. And they because of whatever, you know, reasons that they have. And a lot of the reaction to those people is like, well, where were you four years ago? You've gotten what you deserve. Da 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 da. And like, not untrue, <laughs> you know, like this is the world that they explicitly voted for. And this is the result of that. And these are the consequences. But also, I don't know, like I want to I want to make room at a table for someone to have made a really awful mistake and still feel like they can be brought back into like decency. Uh, yeah, maybe. And again, like maybe that's foolish or naive of me. I don't know. But I think that Cheryl Strayed would help me sort it out in my brain. <laughs> well, I'm on board for that reread. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe by Benjamin L. Sides. This was you. I still have this is wacky to say it feels, but I still have never read this book. So I still stand by the this is a complicated one because he got dragged. Do you remember this? Yeah. A couple of I years do. after. Yeah. So Benjamin O'Leary Saints, who's the author, what did he do? Oh, he responded to a, a negative review. I think it was on Goodreads or on somebody's blog or something, and he left a comment or emailed the reviewer. I don't remember the details. Like, he responded to it. And in, like, kind of a rude way. So he was, I don't think canceled necessarily, but very disapproving things were said (laughs) about him for a while. And there was a period of time where when I would mention this book, I'd get a little bit of side eye because of this thing that he had done. But, you know, I don't know. The book, he wrote the book, obviously, before he did that. And uh, I I don't think authors should respond ever to negative reviews, especially from not professionals. Like someone actually, an author responding to like Dwight, what's his name in the New York Times review of books. I think that would be hilarious. I'd be like totally like chin hands for that drama. But don't respond to bloggers and like don't respond to people on Goodreads. That's not. Yeah, the the power differential is just so real and it's unnecessary. It doesn't do you any good ever. Like I just, it, it has never in the history of, reviewing and recommending helped an author to respond to a negative review. Literally never. Like, you're not going to change that person's mind. Now they just feel weird about someone they looked up to yelling at them online. Like, that's gross. Yeah, it's not great. But the book is so important. Like, the book is so important. And I think him doing this thing doesn't negate the fact that this was, like, such a big, popular, successful book about a Latinx queer boy. Like, that matters. 
more yeah. than the thing to me matters more than the thing he did where he like responded to a reviewer not to downplay that that was a bad look he should not have done that however mm. so like i would i don't know i'm not going to say that i don't stand by the book anymore i absolutely stand by the book i'm probably not recommending it right now as much as i normally would the thing I'm happy about when I think about why we did recommend this book so many times is that we now have more options. Mm-hmm. Like publishing has so far to go, but we do have some really fantastic options for the same kinds of questions. Whereas mm-hmm. before, you know, there just weren't as many books as we would like and as many books that we personally loved to recommend. So, I, you know, I think about this book and now I think about, you know, Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas, which Prepare Yourselves is going to get recommended a ton in the future. Uh, so, you know, I guess I'm grateful that now, you know, we have more options, especially for these questions that specifically want representation outside of the quote unquote mainstream, you know, the white heteronormative, Uh et cetera. Uh, We have more now. So we we don't have to use the same books over and over again. We can pick and choose, which is a luxury and an exciting thing to be true. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Broken Monsters. The only <laughs> scary book to ever make it on any list of like scary bo- of like books that we've recommended a lot of because neither of us are horror readers. Yeah. At all. I'm sorry. I feel like I feel like the current replacement for this is Mongrels. I feel like mm-hmm. Mongrels by Stephen Graham Jones yeah. is our new Broken Monsters by Lauren Bucus because we do we have very specific horror tolerance mm-hmm. and both of them do the thing. But our we're able to read it. <laughs> yeah, I think similarly. I haven't I haven't recommended it yet, but I just finished Empire of Wild by Cherie Dimaline, which is a similar to Mongrels. It's like a werewolf story set in Canada among the Matisse people, um, and it's spooky, 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 but like tolerable spooky for me, which is a low bar. But Broken Monsters was scary. Like I think that it was scary. It and was. I keep, it was terrifying, and I can't figure out why it was tolerable. Like why I could get through it even though it was all the things that I don't like. Like, there were children were killed, which I normally am like, I'm not going to read that, you know? It had, like, weird supernatural stuff, which also freaks me out. Like, every element of this book is usually a thing that I would hard pass on. But I think it's because I met her. I met her at BEA, and she signed my copy, and she seems so, like, sweet and nice and, like, a, a normal person and not a scary, scary monster human. So, I don't know. Maybe that did it. <laughs> maybe her, like, very cuteness made me okay with it. Yeah. I think there's also the way you put those elements together matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would still stand by this, but I think it's similar to, you know, some of the other books we've already talked about where I would absolutely still recommend it, but now we just have more options. Like there are more books out there for people who want to read scary things that aren't going to keep you up at night necessarily. Um, like I have encountered more of those, so I'm not leaning as heavily on Broken Monsters as I was years ago. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, Brown Girl Dreaming. I was just going to say, Brown Girl Dreaming, we haven't talked about it in a while. And is this another case where now we have more? Yes. Is that what it is? I think so. I think so. Yeah. So Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson is a middle grade novel in verse about exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> a black girl growing up in the South and then she moves to, I think it's Brooklyn. She moves to New York. And this was the thing that I recommended, especially for teachers who were in elementary or middle school and looking for something to like diversify their library for their students, especially for kids who aren't great readers or who don't love to read because the verse format makes it go by very quickly and is like really easy to understand. And it's not intimidating, you know, for kids who are a little nerved out by a lot of words on a page. And we just have a lot more of that now of all of those things. Yeah. And it's so famous now, like it won a National Book Award. So it almost feels like, why bother? (laughs) 
<laughs> Why bother? Right. Everyone's already heard it. You already have this in your library, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I think I, I don't have anything to add that to that. I think that it's an amazing book. And we also have more amazing books that do a very a similar thing in different ways. Mm-hmm. And it's so exciting to have those options. I was thinking about Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. Family dramas, we have an abundance of those as well. And I don't think it's necessarily that there weren't family dramas, but I don't know that there were as many diverse family dramas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that is a thing that really makes a difference to me because I don't, I do, okay, so I do like to read about like rich people's problems. I think those are really juicy and gossipy. But reading about like upper middle class, like there's a weird class thing happening in my brain here, like an intersection of class and race. Reading about super, super, super rich white people, I'm like, yes, gossip, Kardashians, do it, you know? Reading about like middle class or upper middle class white people family dramas, I'm like, ugh, boring. Like this is every sitcom. I don't care. Right. So that difference is weird. And it's maybe just me. I don't know. But everything I never told you really filled a hole, I felt like, in my reading mm-hmm. life of like middle class, family secrets, race, sexism. It had a mystery. Like she was juggling all the things at one time with this book. It hit, It's such a great pick for book club because it really has something for everyone except yeah. like sci-fi readers. But like right. there's, there's some romance. There's some like... It's a little bit of historical fiction because it bounces back and forth. It's like in the 70s, you know, it's in suburbia. It's it's super relatable. Like, I, I, I don't know. It's like a jack of all trades book. It is. It is. Yeah. Such an amazing book. So I guess it's, yeah, it's not that it's not still amazing because it is. Mm-hmm. And it's got a show now, which is so exciting and mm-hmm. great. But yeah, we do have more. It was really nice watching her blow up. Mm-hmm. Was this her debut? Yeah, it was her debut. It was. Yeah, and it became like a whole thing. <laughs> like a whole yeah. thing. It was a whole thing. It was really nice. Okay, Life After Life. I did not finish this book. So I'm going ah! to let you talk about it. <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, why Why did I recommend this book a billion times? I And it says here in the post that we're referring to, because I, I do these yearly check-ins with what we've been recommending, uh, books about women finding themselves and or anyone looking for historical fiction. I, You know, even in 2016, we had plenty of those. So I think I was just obsessed with it, I think mm-hmm. is really what happened here. I think that the storytelling was so interesting. Like the way that book is constructed is banana pants. And it is a really different kind of historical fiction. And it just does things that I had not seen another book do. And it was so deeply about like women's choices Mm -hmm. in a really fascinating way. And like, what choices would you make if you could do this stuff over and over again? And you had a sense, a little, if not full on knowledge of what would happen with the choices you were making. It's just so, so interesting. So, you know, I probably haven't recommended this book in at least a year, Mm -hmm. if not more. Yeah, I've not heard you talk about it. No, but looking at it and thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, I, I do stand by that. It was a really different kind of book. And yeah, I think it just I think it did a thing that I had not seen done before. And I don't know that there's like obvious comps for it now, but I don't know that I, I'm also I, I have other books now that I'm obsessed with. So yeah. <laughs> it might just be a function of we're not getting the questions specific enough to pull me to use it again. And I am obsessed with other things. Yeah. So that's that's probably what's going on here. I really appreciated the structure. I thought it was really novel and interesting. <laughs> novel. Ha. 
the reason why I stopped reading it is because I picked it up in 2016 and I could not read about a woman fighting an evil politician. Yeah. <laughs> like it just, you know, and that might be why we haven't talked about it in so long yeah. because like it's just that's just a little life. too on the nose. Yeah, that's just life now. So right. I don't need to read about it. I don't know. But fair. I very much remember being like, oh, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I just like put it away. No, that's that's fair. That's fair. All right. The Night Circus. I literally can't believe that we bothered recommending this to anybody. <laughs> like who who hasn't read this book? Yeah. But OK, so in this post, I guess this was me. I said this is a Swiss army wreck. Like it's good for any reader. And I do think that that's true. Like any but everybody loves it. Just I've not met a person who has read it and not at least enjoyed it or f- finished it, you know, because it's got like every, it's got a little bit of everything. There's adventure and magic and there's a little romance. I don't know. We don't need to really talk about it anymore. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. I, OK, this next one is you because I've not read this one. Yeah, this is another one I was obsessed with. On Such a Full Sea by Cheng Ray Lee. Still obsessed with it, for the record. Mm-hmm. Reread it, uh, and it is still freaking amazing. And and I said in this, like, nobody is coming looking for a book about a near-future Baltimore told in Greek chorus. Nobody's looking for that. <laughs> but I found a way to recommend it anyway. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Which is, you know, I'm going to pat myself on the back for that. This book is, I I stand by, this book is such a triumph in so many different ways. And I think it's still extremely worth the read. And yeah, I would, I would, I would continue to recommend it. Again, I think this is a case of there are other books that I am like full force. Everybody needs to read this now. So I don't revert to it as often, but I, I would, I would in a heartbeat. Absolutely. (sighs) I guess I should get around to it. (laughs) (laughs) someday Amanda I think you will love it yeah it sounds like it would but it's a heavy book it is not light there's a lot of rough things I mean it's an end it's a post-catastrophe kind of collapse weird things happen outside of gated communities bad things happen uh there are cannibals you know like it's it's a whole thing Mm. but it's real good it's real good all right. So it looks like this last one from me from our first year was Signs Preceding the End of the World by Yuri Herrera. And I didn't write down the translator. I think it was at Lisa Dillman. That might be it. Absolutely. 100% absolutely stand by this book. It's short. It's a novella from, I think, from And Other Stories, um, which is an independent press. And it, you know, it's just about a woman who crosses into the U.S. from Mexico illegally because she's searching for her brother and she's carrying a message from like a crime boss. It's super complicated. It's it's like a little violent. Um, it's very like literary with a capital L, but also very fast paced and adventurous. And I think this is another um, example of we have more of this now. So I'm not mm. having to lean as heavily on like when people are asking for, you know, books about people fleeing countries in South America or, you know, books about the immigration experience or any of that kind of thing. We have so we have a cornucopia to to choose from on all those topics. So I'm not leaning on it as much, but it's I mean, it's still like a friggin work of friggin genius. (laughs) This is one that I need to get to. I haven't I still haven't read it, which is shameful. I know because you love it so much. And I when when (laughs) when we recommend a book this many times, generally the other one ends up reading it. Yeah. One of these days it's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, Bernadette. 
Uh, I know. I was just going to say the last one from me for 2016 was Where'd You Go, Bernadette by Maria Semple. And uh, yeah, it is another Swiss Army Knife book. It was, I mean, it was funny. It was a mother-daughter story. It was a really good book to just like hand to random people or like gift to people or for a book club or, you know, whatever. Like there are so many boxes it ticks. And... I mean, I, I haven't reread this book, but I feel like it probably it probably stands up. I, w- I don't know. Did you see the movie? I didn't see the movie. Was it good? I don't know. I didn't either. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, one day maybe we'll watch the movie. Uh, yeah, it's just, but it was, it was such an easy recommendation because I, you know, I have a hard time finding people who didn't like it. Yeah, this was one of the ones that I was recommending for people who were like, who were exhausted from the election season and wanted just something Mm. easy and fun. And I was like, well, this is it. (laughs) Yeah. This is the one that my brain has for you. I will say that since then, we have had trouble finding comps for it because Mm. we, so many people did love it. And now we're like, oh, shoot, what other books are like Where'd You Go, Bernadette? There's just not that many. But, but yeah, it's a, it's a solid one. Yeah. So you wanted maybe one of the only books I've ever really liked that had a Jonathan Franz blurb on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> I was just I was just noticing that. <sighs> J Franz. All right, should we take a sponsor break? Yeah, man. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Diana Dixon has a busy summer and no time for tall, gorgeous hockey player Shane's shenanigans. Because you know what? If they shenan once, they'll shenan again. So she thinks she knows exactly who he is when he moves into her apartment building. But turns out Shane's sick of hookups and tired of being on the rebound after his long-term girlfriend called it quits. But when his ex comes back into the picture, he needs a plan. And who better to play his new girlfriend than his sassy new neighbor? So a a fake relationship might be perfect for Diana's own ex issues, but Diana is used to living by the rules. Will she learn that when it comes to love, rules are meant to be broken? Make sure to check out The Dixon Rule by L. Kennedy. L. Kennedy is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author with over a million copies of her books sold. So this is going to be another banger, y'all. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Okay. Well, the good news is I think the Squeakmobile has stopped. I think <laughs> <laughs> we defeated you. 
Hopefully we have outlasted the Squeakmobile. Okay, so the next list is our all-time most recommended books, which is interesting. And we have to give a shout-out to our librarian listener, Stephanie, who made has continued to make this epic spreadsheet logging everything we've ever recommended, which is not... I mean, we have that spreadsheet, but not in the same form and not nearly as fancy as she has. Uh, Not even close. So thank you to Stephanie for being amazing. And uh, yeah, so we, we figured we'd use this. And we have... Let's see. We have here the 2019 top five, is it? One, two three, four, top five. Yeah, five. Top five. Because we have repeated less. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've gotten better at, you know, not repeating things as many times. Yeah. So these are books that we maxed out on. Yes. In 2019, Mm -hmm. which was there was only five, which for the record, I'm super proud of us about. We read a lot. (laughs) We do read. We read a whole lot. (laughs) That is just a truth. And the first one was Drop the Ball by Tiffany Dufu, which was, I was such a crusader for this book. Same. I still am. Yes, same. I stand by it. Like, if you need to think about how to be a woman or femme person in career, in relationships, as a parent, like, this is the book. Mm-hmm. I have found I, it's been given second life in my personal recommendation life since the pandemic because... The pandemic has exposed and increased exponentially the pressures that women are facing. It, like, we're all at home. If you've got kids, you're probably the one taking care of the kids and doing the virtual school thing while you're also trying to work. And, like, what's your husband doing if you're in a straight marriage, you know? Like, that that continues to be a problem. And this situation has just really shone a light on it. And so I'm forever like talking to my married friends like, okay, but have you read Drop the Ball? Because like you do not need to you do not need to be carrying all of that. You don't just stop doing it. And that's that's my (laughs) that's my TED talk. (laughs) I 100 percent will co-sign that. It is that book. It is that book. That's the book that it is. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody read it. Everybody read it. We had to read it for work, which was great. You know, I do consider it in part a personal triumph that we read it for mm-hmm. work because I feel like I taught, I yelled about it to Rebecca, I yelled about it to Jeff. Like I was just like up in our Slack, like talking about it every five minutes. And when they asked for nominations for like the next, you know, company read, I was like, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've, I, I don't think I'm the only reason we read that book for work, but I, I will take a little bit of the credit for that. Well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, mm. it, everybody needs to read it. Okay, Milk so Milkman, Diana Burns, that's you. I remain obsessed. Remain obsessed. Just, I, I don't even, it's like, I can't even articulate how, how great <laughs> this book. It's like if Virginia Woolf was more understandable and cared about plot, like that is what this was. And it was, you know, it's about the troubles in Ireland, which I didn't know much about. and this unnamed young woman narrator who's just like bringing you along in her life as she tries to survive that time period in a community that's so deeply suspicious of everyone around them. And this kind of like the that environment and that atmosphere and that experience, I think, is becoming more and more identifiable to American readers, which is very troubling, very troubling, but worth, you know, I don't know what we're in for. I don't know. I that's not I don't want to be pessimistic or whatever, but it was it felt familiar which was scary but also brilliant i just can't 
rave enough about it. However, I will say that it's super, super divisive. People either really, really like it or they can't get past like page 10. So you'll know pretty quick which camp you fall into because it's stream of consciousness, which is not everybody's bag. And that's totally fair. Right. Another one I haven't read yet. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't mind stream of consciousness, but Mm -hmm. it sounds so heavy to me. And I'm just kind of like, especially this year, I'm just like, nope. Yeah, it's very heavy. Look, I'm reading like exclusively rom-coms this year at this point. So (laughs) for the rest of 2020, that's all you guys are getting. I'm sorry. Oh, it's so true. Uh, Nine Facts Gambit by Yunali is next. Yeah, I mean, of course, obviously, I d- this is a book that I will be recommending to my grave. Like, this series is so freaking good. It's just, I don't, I don't even, like, how, how to not recommend it. Like, I don't know how to do that. So I remember the first time I read Nine Fox Gambit, I did not Google this because I got lazy, but I was very much like, is Yunali a physicist? professionally like is that the thing that he does I uh, and then I didn't go look at it because it's so it's so math heavy and like you know hard sciencey physics and all that kind of stuff that I was absolutely in my brain like oh he's like a physics genius like Einstein wrote a novel about space travel and war right. and body horror and like that's what's happening here because there are absolutely times when I was like what <laughs> I'm sorry the math did who in the who now I don't yeah you've lost me and I'd have to go back and reread it but man what a brain like what an intellect <laughs> No joke. It is just stunning. And it is, you get dropped in the middle of it and you're like, I have no idea what's going on. And the thing I always tell people is keep going because eventually it becomes clear. And also, you don't have to follow the math for this to be an amazing read. It's just not necessary. The characters are so strong. And, you know, the thing that it did in a time when there weren't as many books that did this was it's an inclusive cast. It's queer. It's hard sci-fi with really compelling characters, and it has that, like, intense world building that you just want to, you know, you don't want to live in it, but you can't get enough of it. Yeah, I don't want to live in it. No. And so I know now that if somebody were to ask me for a Nine Fox Gambit comp, I would have recommendations for them in a way that I just, like, Nine Fox Gambit was kind of the only one that I had for a while. Um, And now I have more, which is a great feeling. But I also am still like it is so it is so it's such a standout in Mm -hmm. so many ways. So, yeah, I deeply want to do a reread of this whole series and just have not found the time. But one of these days is going to happen. Yeah, I remember. um, Was it Neil Gaiman who said I don't know. I don't remember when Trump won in 2016 quotes one. I think it was Neil Gaiman who said, well, this is going to be a really great couple of years for punk music which turned out to be false. (laughs) It was not a good couple of years for punk music. But I think it has been such a fascinating few years for books. And you can tell just from talking about the books we were obsessed with four or five years ago. And now all that we can talk about now is like, well, we have so many more things now that are this diverse thing or this inventive thing or this like genius thing, which I don't know if that would have been true in like a not period of not upheaval or when people weren't really digging into ideas about what society should look like and how humans should behave. I don't know. I think it's a, it's a really interesting time to be on a recommendation show. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, you have to remember, you know, the lead time on books is something like Year. at yeah, minimum, it's, it's like two years. Mm-hmm. And some of these books took 10 years to write. Mm-hmm. So I do think that I'm super excited to see what comes out in the next five years, honestly. Mm -hmm. And I also think that, you know, everything was not fine for everybody before 2016. Mm -hmm. We just were not 
some of us were not paying attention in the way that we are now. And I think that I what I hope is that these books were going to happen and whether or not it accelerated, you know, because of the political situation in the world, like, don't know. But I am regardless, I'm so grateful that we have these books. I'm so grateful and and so delighted as a reader and as a recommender that they that they are here in our hands and we can read them and shout about them. Yeah, that's I'm sure I absolutely agree with you that they would have been written regardless. I just don't know if they would have been published. Well, that's fair. Which is like, I think publishing is doing, I mean, it's a giant capitalism, capitalist machine. They're publishing these books now because they know there's like a seething audience out there demanding that they do so, which is awesome. Yeah. But they could have not, I guess, you know, like, I don't know. I think that something is happening in publishing. I mean, we know something is happening in publishing, but... Yeah, I think you're right. The next, like, five years will be, give me all the things. Mm. Okay, this next one is you. I have also not read it. Yeah, Psychology of Time Travel by Kate Mascarenas. This is another one. It's like, it was my new, oh, this book is doing things that I have been waiting to see. It's so exciting. There's time travel. It's very character-driven sci-fi. It was a murder mystery. It was about women in STEM. It was queer. It was inclusive. Like, it just did all of the things. So anytime somebody was asking for, like, one or two of those things, they got this book. And I do stand by it. It is just one of the one of the sci-fi books that have come out in recent years that I am so excited to have in the world because you know I think sci-fi and fantasy have been through the ringer and you know we had the whole like sad and rabid puppies situation with the Hugos and we're still having issues with you know sci-fi and fantasy organizations just like with other literary organizations there's an old guard that don't want change and you know really value certain things that the rest of us do not value And it's so exciting to have books that just break the mold and do things that, you know, seem so obvious when you read it or so interesting. Like, I've just been waiting for this story. I just didn't know it. And Psychology of Time Travel is one of those books. I mean, I just literally can't think of another book that's like, here's a team of five women scientists in like, what, the 1960s or something that invented time travel. Like, what? What book is that? What book? This is the book. Like, there's there's not that many of those. If, if you know, I'm sure there's at least one other one that I don't know about, but this is the one I know about. And and it does all these other great things. And so... Yeah, I, that's I. That's a hard, hard continue to cosign. And the last one is also <laughs> a hard continue to cosign. The last one is Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. I will never stop loving you. I love you. I love you so much. I don't yeah. care what anybody says. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a cinnamon roll of a book. It was written as an alternate history to the 2016 election where Casey McQuiston just sat down and righted all the wrongs of of 2016 and gave us a love story in the process. And it's just very satisfying. You know, I know that it's escapist and I know that it's whatever. (laughs) I mean, people say that like it's a criticism, but these days we all need a a little bit of that or a lot of that. And so, yeah, it just it just feels like that is, you know, I said it in this post that it's the world that I want to live in. And I think mm. that that is a nice place to visit because we're not getting it now. And who knows if we ever will, you know, like the the arc of history is long and we might be dealing with injustices probably will be of some kind forever. Like that's the human experience, right? But getting to inhabit a world where like one of the major 
injustices of my lifetime is erased by like love and goodness and compassion is just, you know, it's nice. It's nice that it exists out there for us when we need to dip our toes into that kind of a thing. And also the like, it's real steamy. So hey. (laughs) Yeah. Wins on all fronts. Yeah. 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 Stand by it. Yep. Okay, so since we're getting to time, do you want to do like a lightning round of these all-time picks that we haven't already touched on? Because some of them we have already touched on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lightning round. Lightning round. Okay, so Wangs versus the World by Jay Cheng. Absolutely. 100% standby. Haven't read it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Or the uh, next one. That one's you too. Oh, yeah. Acacia, The War with the Mind by David Anthony Durham. This was the book that everybody was like, I want Game of Thrones, but inclusive. And I was like, here you go. <laughs> here it is. Mm-hmm. Here it is. I stand by it again. Becky Chambers, Long Way to Small Angry Planet, 100p. And then there was that weird like year and a half after Long uh, Way to a Small Angry Planet where everybody wanted something like Long Way to Small Angry Planet. And that did not exist at the time. Yeah. But it's starting to. It's starting to exist. So, you know, yay to that. Agree. Homegoing by Yad Jesse. Absolutely. Still. Have you read I haven't read her new one, Transcendent Kingdom. I need to get that. I have it. It's it's nearing the top of my TBR. I'm so excited for it. And yeah, hundred hundred percent continue to love and recommend. Yeah. It this homegoing became the thing that I recommended to everybody who loved Pachinko. Yeah. Yeah. So and that, vice versa. Yeah, same. All right. That one we've talked about. That one we've talked about. Oh, an extraordinary union. Alyssa Cole. Always and forever. Yeah. I mean, it's set in Richmond, so what do you want from me? <laughs> okay. Infomocracy by Michael Older. Look, it, look. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little scary right now. But, like, it turns out well. Would you say that it turns out well? It turns out hopeful, I, I think. Yeah. I was going to say, this was the book that I was like, if you are depressed about democracy, read this book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the 2020 version of that is if you just watch The Social Dilemma and are having a heart attack. Right. Yeah. 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 And Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. That was our like, okay, we can't keep recommending tiny beautiful <laughs> things. So what else do we have? It's Shonda Rhimes. It's Shonda. <laughs> we live in Shonda land. I stand by it. I don't, you know, I haven't recommended the Year of Yes in a minute. And I think it's because in 2020, we all need to be saying no a lot more. We're saying yes. So it doesn't feel like the right tone to be striking right now in a moment when we are all like resist, deny, you know, dissent, like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. Like saying yes to stuff is still great, but that's just not the vibe. It's not my energy right now. So. That is fair. I will say that the chapter in there on saying yes to no was one of the most helpful chapters Mm -hmm. in that whole book for me. But it is only one chapter. And certainly the situations like you just can't say yes to the same things that Chandra Rhymes. She's like saying yes to like going out into the world and doing things, which 100 percent is not the vibe of this year. And honestly, probably won't be next year either. So, yeah, you're probably right. This is not the right time for this book. But I do love it, and I hope to one day have that vibe back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in times when I think when things are, I don't know, I don't want to say in times when things are normal, because who knows what, when or or what that will look like. But in times when we have more freedom of movement, and we're not so consumed with like saving the planet, you know, maybe, maybe we can go back to this. Yeah. (sighs) It's been a good five years. It has. It has. It really has. I've done a lot of things. We have been, I'm noticing, very influenced is it us or is it the questioners? Very influenced by the political situation. 
It's got to be both. Yeah. Right? Like, we we do only answer the questions that we get, for mm-hmm. the, well, except for when we decide to do our own random theme shows, which happens. Which is why we started the hand cell, so we could just be yeah. like, no, no, I need to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I do think that, you know, the questions shape our reading, and we shape the answers to the questions, so it's it's got to be both. Yeah. Yeah. We're in this with you, y'all. Yes. I think that's it. I think that's our show. I think that's it. Yeah. Thank you so much to our audio editor, especially this week, Jen Zink, taking out all the squeakies. Just taking out the squeakies. Thank you for listening. And please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to our sponsors. You can find us on social media. I'm on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson. Where is Jen? I am also mostly on Instagram these days at I am Jen IRL. That's I-A-M-J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye.